nuts. Christmas time brings out the nuts. Hazelnuts and Brazil nuts and almonds and pecans and walnuts. Nuts and Christmas have, in my family, long been a tradition. It turns out that's true in many places and for far longer than half a century. And then some. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, episode 119. Welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food is on you. Hello, folks. Dan Reed here, the Culinary Libertarian. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Every Christmas morning, we kids would find an orange and a handful of walnuts at the bottom of our stocking. And loot, of course. If we ever asked why, Mom would offer it was nice to have a fresh orange and maybe something about walnuts being good for you. But when pressed, the answer was unknown. Or, to borrow from the popular play, It was tradition! Tradition! Yes, I am aware of the obvious irony. As a kid, I was not much a fan of walnuts. That papery skin was terrible. The nut meats were okay. They were messy and hard to crack. Yes, it was a bit of delight to open a shell perfectly, get both halves out mostly intact. The design inside was interesting, but I didn't like them. I love them now, and that papery skin is a feature, not a bug. Walnuts have an astringency to them, which is not at all a made-up protest to get out of eating them. If you've found your teeth feel like the saliva has come off of them and they stick instead of slide, Well, that's that astringency, and it's due to something called tannins. The California Walnuts webpage, walnuts.org, includes an article about walnut flavor. They write, quote, The astringent taste is a result of the tannins and catechin from the paper-like skin, pellicle, surrounding the nut kernel, end quote. By itself, it can be unpleasant. Added to a dish, especially one, where balance and contrast play an important role in the flavor of the final dish, well, then those papery skins make a good contribution. You may have wondered what could possibly be such a dish. Toast those walnuts and add them to an arugula salad with blue cheese chunks and a simple sherry vinegar dressing. Or... As with my blue cheese dressing, add chopped toasted walnuts to that. The flavor boost is unexpectedly impressive. I'll put a link to that recipe on the show notes page, colonnadelibertarian.com slash 119. Speaking of salads, maybe one of the best I've ever had was dandelion greens with blue cheese chunks, toasted walnuts, and pink peppercorn vinaigrette. The balance of flavors was nearly perfect. That tannin also pairs well with rich foods, such as blue cheese, 
or port wine, or good chocolate. Lightly caramelized or honeyed walnuts on a cheese board is a very welcome addition. The combination of walnuts and chocolate is one of the reasons walnuts are often added to chocolate chip cookies. Now, I will admit my cookie devotion prevents me from defiling the chocolate chip cookie with any nut regardless of its contribution. Once you get past that astringency, the walnut has a buttery texture. Removing that paper husk is no easy or quick task. We do have at our disposal a process to remove nearly all those tannins, leaving just that lovely walnut flavor. Blanching a walnut seems like an odd thing to do, but that's the way we're going to fix this problem. Blanching walnuts is as easy as adding them to salted boiling water and, yeah, boiling, I know, the name is blanching, boiling them for about two minutes. The water turns a curious shade of purple, which is interesting and something I can't explain. Strain the walnuts, let them cool, and make a pesto. Remember that pesto simply means paste. So, you can make a pesto, a paste, out of nearly anything. When we made this, we added a bit of pine nuts, garlic, Italian parsley, Romano cheese, and extra virgin olive oil, and of course, salt and pepper. Process it all in a food processor just like you would for basil pesto. If it becomes too thick, add a drizzle of a little bit of water. Walnuts and cheese is a flavor contrast. Walnut pesto is compatibility. One more example of compatibility is adding chopped toasted walnuts to kasha or buckwheat groats. The nutty flavor of the kasha complements the walnuts. Two last recipes. One is the walnut bread on the blog, and the other is a walnut tart for a dessert. Now, it's rather simple to explain. Roll the pie dough and line a tart pan. Cook a slightly thick caramel sauce. Add the walnuts near the end of the cooking of the caramel for flavor extraction. Pour the caramel mixture into the tart pan. Bake for 15 or 20 minutes until the tart shell is baked and the caramel is bubbly. Remove, cool, slice, and enjoy. Now, I have looked and looked and looked and looked and looked. And I cannot find this recipe in what is... A great many piles of paper. I'm only mostly sure I still even have it. If I find it, I'll let you know. Now, this is one of those recipe tricks. Well, oh, it's easy. Just throw it together. It's not really that hard. A, a pie dough, roll it thin. Um, line your, you could do a pie, but a tart pan seems to have a prettier presentation. For a 10-inch tart pan, probably three or four cups of walnuts, which is a lot of walnuts, uh, to make that slightly thick caramel, well, go back to the caramel episode and just cut the cream quantity in half. There's your thicker caramel. And the reason we're baking the whole thing is we want that caramel to have more moisture evaporation, making it a thicker caramel, holding everything together, and then balancing all those flavors out. This really is an amazing thing. We served it 
many, many years ago at a restaurant in Michigan, and we would go sometimes through four or five of those things a night. Walnuts are healthy. They are sources of naturally occurring polyunsaturated fats. Now, I've talked a lot about how polyunsaturated fats, sometimes called PUFA, polyunsaturated fatty acids, are something we want to avoid. The key distinction here between the PUFA naturally occurring in, say, walnuts or other nuts versus the PUFA found in a plastic container sitting on a shelf in a store is if you eat the oil in the walnut, you're getting everything the walnut has to offer, including the nutrients and the meat itself. So you're getting, you're getting a whole food. When you go get canola oil, you're <laughs> getting food at all. So there's, there is a degree of kind for the polyunsaturated fat. If it's in a nut, eat the nut, and you're much better off than, than eating the oil in the plastic jars. Walnuts are also a good source of ALA, alpha-linolenic acid, and I probably said that incorrectly, which is a plant-based omega-3 fatty acid. 12 walnuts is about one serving, has 4 grams of protein, and 2 grams of fiber. Walnuts are a good fit for the keto diet, which means they are also better snacks than a handful of potato chips. You know, I get it. Potato chips. I'll add a few links to the show notes page if you want to do a deeper dive into walnut lore. And there's plenty to learn. The trees are impressive. They're giant. And the nut in the husk makes a most excellent weapon for enemies or little brothers for a good distance away. Because you can chuck those babies and man do they sting. I don't advocate that. But... I'm just telling you, you can throw those babies a long way. I want to talk a bit about cranberries next, but first, let's take a moment out for a word about the Tasting Anarchy podcast. Hey everyone, Jake here, host of the Tasting Anarchy podcast. Join my co-host Mason and I each week as we explore the world of wine and alcohol through a liberty lens. You can find us on all your major podcatchers, tastinganarchy.com or Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Find out how much government is in your drink. This time of year, nearly everyone knows about cranberries especially that gelled cranberry sauce that comes in the cans and still has the lines from the design on the can. The cranberry is an evergreen shrub and grows in wetlands in northeast and northern north-central states. One tidbit that surprised me was Wisconsin leads the U.S. in cranberry production, and the U.S., Canada, and Chile supply nearly all the cranberries. There is some interesting supply and demand and general government content about cranberries, some of it interesting, such as cranberries are a commodity which can now be regulated by Congress. How the cranberry industry got to this point is at least worth a mention. 
In the 1950s, the cranberry market all but dried up. A pesticide, aminotriazole, again, probably butchered it, was found on cranberries produced in Oregon and Washington. Which lots were contaminated was not known, but some cranberries were already in the stores. The web post, Cranberry Marketing Order Volume Regulation, reads, quote, Independent testing was conducted at the behest of the industry where it was found that less than 0.3% of cranberries tested showed any trace of aminotriazole residue. On May 1, 1960, President Eisenhower issued an executive order indemnifying cranberry growers, end quote. That point that 0.3% problem sounds really familiar about now, doesn't it? On April 15, 1962, the federal marketing order became effective. The red tape created is interesting, and the economics is certainly worthy of a libertarian show, but not this one, not today. I'll put the link to the article in the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 119. Cranberries are as tart as tart can be, and that's what I like about them. I don't care for that jelly sauce, but I do like a homemade cranberry sauce with cinnamon stick, orange zest, sugar, a touch of honey, salt, and cloves. It takes less than 30 minutes to cook all that down for a great condiment. And yes, it is a condiment. Cranberry sauce, the one I just told you about, and turkey on a hot sandwich with good melty cheese. Oh, that's just wonderful. I don't eat turkey hot dogs, but it might be an interesting alternative to relish if that's something you like. Nutritionally, cranberries have a decent amount of vitamin C, with just under 8 milligrams for every half cup. They also contain some B vitamins, 1, 2, 3, and 6. They have nearly no protein and are virtually fat-free. One interesting note, the idea of cranberries and UTI is a popular one, meaning as a remedy, but according to the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health website, quote, cranberry hasn't been shown to be effective as a treatment for an existing UTI, end quote. Now, there's a whole lot to read about this, both having, uh, both opinions being fairly well represented. I'll add the link to that specific article on today's show notes page. Dried cranberries are good in cookies or oatmeal or almost any place you would use a raisin. Most times I've purchased dried cranberries, they've been sweetened. They are available unsweetened, so check with your vendor. If you want more from your cranberry than to be the spacers between the strung up popcorn for your tree, I'll post a link to a very acceptable cranberry tart a good crust, and streusel topping, and yummy cranberries. A perfect dessert for Christmas dinner. And since you've got the week and the kids, I'll add the link to the cookie cookbook PDF. I have achieved some success with some of those cookies, 
as gluten-free. They, those recipes are not yet on the blog, but if you're interested in a gluten-free cookie recipe, then send me an email. And by the way, uh, I, I have also not added a gluten-free pie dough, which I am over the moon with. It's, I'm just really tickled by how well this has come out. So it's, and there's also, I am somewhere, if it's not posted, there's a gluten-free Struzzle topping. So this cranberry tart can easily be a gluten-free dessert if that's something that you need to have. Again, if that's something that interests you, send me an email. Podcast at culinarylibertarian.com. Have a Merry Christmas and Happy Baking. All right, folks, that's going to do it. Fill those last-minute gift needs with a digital gift that gives back. Subscribe you or a loved one to Kiko's Pastry Baking Lessons. Kiko teaches the classics and more through video lessons that work. Make pastry shop quality cakes and tarts and torts at home with Kiko's Cakes. Surf to culinarylibertarian.com slash Kiko's Cakes to see his website and learn more about what he offers. Please share this episode on your social media feeds and like the post. Also, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Have a good week, and I'll see you soon. Music for the Culinary Libertarian Podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.